Good morning, everybody. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It is the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business, and I have my battle brother, my brother from another mother, my co-host, Mr. Brian Fairfield. Hey, what's going on, y'all? All right, man. Today is Saturday. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to get into some of this college football games. I know some of y'all been uh, requesting us to talk go over college football. We've been primarily doing a lot of the National Football League, but, uh, you know, you kind of got to go back to your roots and see who's going to be coming down the pipeline for the National Football League. So we thought we'd throw a little jab in there this morning and uh, do something a little different and talk about some college football games coming up today, man. But uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, man, uh, BB, tell them where they can find you at, man. Uh, you can find me at uh, Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can find me at uh, Brian Bearfield on uh, Brian Bearfield on Facebook. Yeah, and once again, my name is Eric Compton. You can find me at Money Compton on Instagram, and you can also find me at Eric Compton on the Facebook. And you can also email the show at Sports Business. That's S P O R T Z B I Z N E S S at gmail.com so uh like we said we're gonna do something a little different today and we're gonna definitely get into some of these college football games so uh bb man who's who, who you got uh, as far as the uh number one overall ranked team alabama previously tied against the texas a&m uh aggies man I, I i don't know if it's more of who i got about or is it how much alabama is going to win by I think, that, I think that the over and under is going to be more interesting than the win-loss. So, of course, I'm taking Alabama. I mean, they're averaging 56.6 points a game, and we've only been in three games this year. Uh, I thought that Ole Miss would have given them a, a better uh, a better game because Ole Miss has four, at least four receivers that are going to go, that will be playing on Sundays coming up here soon. And, and also, you know, their quarterback, you know, it's an interesting thing. I did not know until last week that, that Mississippi, I mean, the old Mrs. quarterback and Alabama's quarterback were really as close as they are. The dad, uh, Tua, the quarterback from Alabama, his dad pretty much coached and raised the other kid from uh, uh, Ole Miss, the quarterback from Ole Miss. So they, you know, could be in constant communication with each other. So I thought that Ole Miss would have given them a better game. This week coming up uh, with Alabama playing against Texas a and I'm Alabama always has an issue with the spread offense and mm-hmm. you have uh, mm-hmm. Mond and you have a group of talented receivers like Texas a and has uh, that could give a young secondary uh, that a young secondary like what Alabama has that could give mm-hmm. them some trouble you look at it as the five of the last six games that Alabama has played against Texas a they've only beaten them uh, by 20 points one time and so we're going to see what type of offense Jimbo Fisher is going to be able to to bring up and and put on the field, but it's going to be hard against that uh, NFL that, that that NFL Europe League in uh, Alabama. Yeah, man, it, 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 I'm looking at the spread right now. I'm not much of a gambler, but Alabama's favorite to win by 26.5 points. So, like you said, it ain't a matter of how if they gonna win. It's gonna be about how much they win by. Um, I hope Jimbo Fisher has these guys ready to play, but. You know, it's been somewhat of a disappointment uh, with the debut of Jimbo Fisher down there at Texas A&M grabbing all that money uh, down there in the great state of Texas. But, it's, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, one thing, one kind of interesting thing is that this is week four. So, you know, there's been rumblings with the, the Alabama quarterback situation where, you know, you have Tua, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but he just goes by Tua in my, in my book. Uh, 
And then you also have Jalen Hurts where they've been splitting time at the quarterback position. And it, it has been working, you know. But then again, they haven't really played anybody. Like you said, I believe Alabama's the first team in history to throw up 50 points in three sec- consecutive games. And they've been splitting time with with the quarterback uh, the quarterback uh, reps. So right now, BB, uh, if you had to pick, who who looks sharp? Because in my eyes, ever since Tua, Tua came in in the second half of that uh, Georgia-Alabama national title game, I think the, 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 the spotlight's been on him, and he's been kind of outperforming Jalen Hurts. But on the flip side, Jalen Hurts hasn't been getting as many reps as Tua has. What's your take on that, man? When you look at the when you look at the quarterback situation in Alabama, it's hard for anybody that's on the outside looking in to to look at a kid who went twenty six and two and was a national champion to lose his Offensive job. Player of the year, yeah, uh, yeah, South, uh, South, uh, Southeast Conference Player of the Year. The, it, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to see him lose his job um, mm-hmm. after all of that. But you know, it's not like he lost his job to a person that that, that can't play. Tua is a very accurate, uh, accurate passer, and I think that because of his accuracy is a little bit more better. Well, not a little bit more, but a lot better than Jalen Hurts. That puts him in the game. What I'm what I'm interested to see is is when these teams start to get more tape on Tua. And when they start putting him in pressure situations, I think that Irv, I mean that uh, uh, Nick Saban done a really good thing by putting in certain Tua in the second half of that game because he know that his former coach, former defensive coordinator in Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart. had mm-hmm. no tape on him, so he knew how to stop. He knew how to stop Jalen. He didn't know how to stop Tua. So Nick one upped him on that. And so what do we have? Three and a half games on Tua sample size right now so I think that as time goes on I want to see what's going to happen you know later on in the year when they have to play an LSU or an Auburn or maybe a Georgia in the Southeast Conference Championship when they have the tape on them now when they have more tape on him and his tendencies and what he likes to do and where his weaknesses are but right now I mean after the three and a half games you look and say you know he's clearly the better quarterback, and that's not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts because I like Jalen Hurts, and I think right. that he's, you know, he's a kid. The one thing that I've always liked about him is the fact that he may not have been as accurate, but he does one thing that's very important when playing the quarterback position. He doesn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I think here my my take on you know uh, on Tua when he came into the second half last year, I was like, man. Uh, Nick Saban must be uh, my, my initial thought was man Nick Saban must know something that we all don't know and it turned out to be something it turned out to be that way but my thing and also thing that I kind of noticed is that two was left handed so now you have to flip the play script like you're playing in Madden hit that L2 button when you call on the button the play action passes because instead of rolling out to the right now you got to roll out to the left on his strong side so I also think that threw the Georgia defense off off, off task a little bit because now the left tackle the right tackle now is the blind side for the quarterback as opposed to the left the left tackle, which is that uh, marquee um, position that a lot of teams uh, thrive for as far as having a great, you know, the, probably your best player on the team is probably that blind side. So the right tackle was kind of, you know, held more account- accountable in the national championship game as well. So I think Tua... I think Tua can drive the ball down the field a little bit better than Jalen Hurts can. I think Jalen Hurts was more of a game manager who I don't know if you'd have kept him in that position. Even if Kirby Smart wasn't a coach, I don't know if you could have depended on Jalen Hurts. What was the score, like 30-something of 12 or something like that in the half, going into the halftime of that game? Um, I can't remember what the national championship score was. 
um, at halftime. But I don't know if Jalen Hurts can – you can give the ball to Jalen Hurts and be like, hey, man, we got to come back and we got to win the game. Um, I think he's – I think he's a good game management. Like you said, he does not turn the ball over whatsoever. Like, he's a great, great, great quarterback. But I think he's more of a game manager. So that was my only thing about Jalen Hurts. But another thing that's very interesting that uh, that came to my attention uh, this week is that this year the redshirt rule changes. So um, a player can redshirt after four games without losing a year of eligibility. So after this week, baby, do you think, um, whether it be Tua or Jalen, um, do you think one of them will, will sit out for the rest of the year and redshirt for the re- remainder of the year? And technically, Jalen can actually transfer after this year and not miss not miss a L- year eligibility. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, so I don't I don't see um, I don't see Tua uh, I don't see Tua redshirt. I don't see that. I mean, he's definitely going to be the starter, and he will be the starter. Uh, from this point going forward, if I'm Jalen Hurts, oh my god! If I'm Jalen Hurts, I don't. I look at it as um, as I don't know what 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 to to to, to think about it or, or what to take from it when it comes to playing the quarterback position at the University of Alabama, uh, because he's he's in a different. So it's a different dynamic for him. He graduates in December. So even if he does stay on the team. And next year, he can play as a grad as a, as a grad school transfer at any mm-hmm. college he wants to. Compared to if he redshirts this year, and he'll still have two years. But I mean, the only way is if he's going if if he does go to grad school, that'd be good for him. But I don't think that he can want to spend an additional year playing in the in college football when he could play one more year as a grad transfer and then go to the NFL from there. Right. So, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see, but I think you and I have as the chalk up that Alabama should steamroll through Texas A&M, and that should put Texas A&M out of the top 25 after this week. But uh, <clears throat> moving on to another game, this team in particular, they're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, man. One year you think they're going to be good, another year <clears throat> they, you know, they just fall off the face of the earth. And I personally don't understand how um, this guy, the coach, Brian Kelly, has, has a job still. We're talking about the Notre Dame again. Notre Dame against Wake Forest, uh, the number eight ranked overall team in Notre Dame, playing Wake Forest. Uh, it, it's just been very, very interesting. And I've always had my, uh, I've always felt some type of way about Notre Dame, man. I, I think they need to finally the, the days of them just being able to be an independent school, just playing whoever they feel like playing, and you know, not to mention they don't even play the strongest schedule. They always seem to get like the favorable rankings in the, in the college football rankings, man. I don't think they're the eighth best team in the nation. I think they're a top 25 team, but um, I don't know what ends up happening with them. Uh, what's your take on them, man? On 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 a Notre Dame fighting Irishman, I've never you know, since, listen, I don't know what Notre Dame is doing since Rocket Ishmael. And I mean, that's dating me, but I have not seen, I don't know what what's going on when it comes to the, the Notre Dame fight now, man. I mean, you think about it. Uh, oh, man. Oh, look, oh, look, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Oh, have man. They, have, they ever, have they even been relevant since the last time Matt Tateo had a date in college? A real date or uh, or or uh, a catfish date? Was it a real date? But or how was you, it catfish? Wait, hold on, hold on. How can you get catfished on a person that don't even exist, though? Bro, how can you get catfished like and you a college football player? Like, how do you and you Matt Titel weren't enough for the Heisman Trophy year that year? Like, how does that happen? Bro, he like, sent bro. he sent her flowers to where Matt Titel? 
Like, where, <laughs> what's the address? In this day and age of technology that you live in, man, child, who are you sending these flowers? Oh. How do you fall in love with an imaginary person, man? You might as well just get you a, a, a robot or a doll or something. Anyway, back to Notre Dame. Between uh, Book and Wimbush, the two quarterbacks in Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Kelly is trying to still decide on who he wants to play. And at, at what point in time do you do you say, I gotta make a decision and, and have one of the to have somebody uh starting for consistency, which is the same thing we talked about earlier when we mentioned Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at some point Nick Saban is gonna be like, This is who I need because I need consistency going forward as we get into the season. That's the same thing with Notre Dame. They need consistency. So you either gonna take play in in book or you're gonna play uh Wimbush. And right. I, I like Wimbush because the one thing too. that I, I will give Kelly credit for is in that Michigan game, Michigan prepared for Notre Dame by preparing for the run. They like they knew that Wimbush was going to do a lot of running, at least that's what they thought. And mm-hmm. Kelly totally switched it up and let him use his arm. And it caught Michigan totally by surprise. And so that's one thing that they have to do. Notre Dame has they're one of those teams where you look at them and you want to build them up and you want to keep them in the top 10 because they are the fighting Irish, but are they really a good team? Yeah, man. I, I Like I said, I don't know about them, but like you said, between Book and Wimbush, I think Wimbush is showing a little bit more flash in the pan. Um, I think he's, he's, he's the better of the quarterbacks. I don't know why uh, Mr. Kelly hasn't, uh, hasn't, uh, pulled the trigger on that but uh man they do need to make up the decision after this week so this Wake Forest game should be a tune-up for them because next week they play Stanford um and Stanford ain't no joke uh they uh they I can't think of the guy's name right now the coach over there in Stanford but uh he he has guys always locked in and loaded every year like he has those guys focused hey hey Eric Eric if worse comes to worse when you're talking about the Stanford coach just say the black guy yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah, you know, I was gonna sit there. I didn't want to, you know, sit there and do that. But the black dude from Stanford, yes, you are right. I can't think of his name right now, but yeah, him, uh, <laughs> him. Uh, he does have them guys playing, and after that, they play Virginia Tech. Um, and I, I mean, after those two games, they should have somewhat of a cakewalk schedule. And here's my thing, BB. If they win out, they always end up somehow being the top four team. And that's what rubs me the wrong way. It's because they're not in the conference and because they play somewhat of a Pop-Tart schedule, they get off easy. And then when you go play against Alabama or somebody in the in, in the final four games, they get blown out of the doggone field. And we don't even, we don't even, like the game's over at halftime. Um, so that's my only issue with them. Do you think it is time for... Uh, the Notre Dame fighting Irish to finally jump into a division. If they were, I think they need to go to the Big Ten. I, I, I think they should because there's no mystique behind Notre Dame anymore. Exactly. That, that used to be the mystique when Luke Holtz was there. Uh, but ever since, ever since, the, you know what? And, and, and I, I, side note, let me say this. I'm glad that they get the doors blown off them. I'm glad that whatever yeah, else happened, yeah. because the way that they did Tyrone Willingham and that coaching job, sure the did. way that they did him to bring in Charlie Chuck Rice, Weiss, yeah. they deserve everything that they get. And then mm-hmm. you don't keep a guy like Tyrone Willingham. You have an underachiever in Charlie Weiss, and then you bring in a guy now who lied on his resume. Like, remember last week we talked about who falls who falls up better, Blaine Galbert, Steve Sarkeesian. Can't we add Brian Kelly to that list? Because yeah, he lie on his... It, about 
He lied on his resume, right? He lied on his resume. Uh, I think uh, uh, they were taking team pictures, and a dude, the, the photographer, somebody died on the field because he fell off of a scaffold. And it was really windy, and there was some safety issues. And Brian Kelly was really adamant about getting these pictures done. The dude freaking falls off of a scaffold or something while they take these pictures. Um, he just sat there and like there's there's been multiple uh, incidents where he's gotten into players' coaching. Like he's almost like uh, Bobby Knight. Uh, he does these Bobby Knight issues. Where he like grabs players by the by the by the neck and stuff like that, and he tries to get their attention. So yeah, that Joker like he just doesn't he he don't go away. And, uh, like you said, that's a good point, man. Tyrell World Willingham did not get a fair shake when uh, Charlie Weiss came into town, and you see what ended up happening to Charlie Weiss. But yeah, man, I don't know what's up with Notre Dame, and if you want to really be dated, I'm gonna say they ain't been relevant since Tim Brown was around there, man. So man, um, wait, hold on, they ain't been relevant since Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, I don't, I don't know what's up with them, man. Uh, they've already kind of fell into. Uh, I, I just don't understand them, man. But uh, just for admin purposes, the black dude coach for Stanford name is David Shaw. So I just definitely <laughs> want to put that out there. Man. I didn't get that brother name enough credit, man. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, Notre Dame needs to get it together this week because uh, moving into this next game that we are going to talk about, David Shaw. They, they will be playing. Uh, the Stanford uh, Cardinal next week. So moving on to the nice marquee matchup, it is the Stanford number seven overall, overall ranked team against number twenty uh, Oregon. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting seeing the quarterback, Mister A Bear, playing against the Stanford defense. Man, what you think about that? Uh, I think that anytime you got a Heisman Trophy candidate that's coming off an injury, because I don't think Bryce Love, the running back for the Stanford Cardinals, played on last last week. But um, anytime you have a guy, anytime you can line Bryce uh, Bryce Love up, and uh, this past week I was down at the Texas facility talking to a former Stanford defensive back Justin Reed, and he was talking about Bryce Love and how much respect he had for him and how hard of a worker that he is. And and I seen that too. I watched him play last year at the uh, Alamo Bowl against mm-hmm. TCU. So I'm I, I just like the way that that Stanford. Prepares. Hey man, look. Side note, I, I, and I don't mean to go on too many side notes, but you nah, know, nah, nah, this I'm show, old. Man. Look, you know I'm old, man. So my mind wanders <laughs> other places. You know we, you know earlier we said, you know, just call him that black dude. It's only like eight black coaches in in, uh, in college football, football right? right? Yeah, it's only eight. <laughs> so I'm saying, about, I was sitting there thinking about that when we were talking about David Shaw before we call him that black dude. But then I was like, I guess it wouldn't be hard to pick him out when you only got seven others to choose from, right? Right. He's probably the best coach in the nation that's, uh, you know, holding it down for the brothers right now. So um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, him, him, him and you play to win the, the game. game. Herb Mike, uh, yeah, Herb Edwards down to Arizona State. Hey, he got them boys playing, bro. Yes, he does. He got them boys playing. So it, uh, yeah. I was, you know, side note, we're going to, you know, divert over there real quick. But, uh. Man, I, I, at first when they hired him as Arizona State, I was like, why is he, this dude's like 70-something years old. Like, why do you want to coach? And if you wanted to coach out of all places, why Arizona State? But I guess the athletic director and him are, and Herm Edwards are really, really good friends. And I guess the athletic director sat there and pulled a one-up one and uh, was able to get old Hermie Herm over there to uh, coach him. But he's got him playing hard, man. Like, I don't know how good they'll be. But they're giving max effort every week, and you can't ask no, you can't ask for no more than that. So shout out to Herm Edwards, man. 
Yeah, and, and the one thing that I like about Herman was I don't know if you know the story or not. When he went to hire one of his coordinators, one of his coordinators had a, a really good job at a, at a prominent university. At a, I think it was at a top five school. And so Herm asked him to come. And he's like, oh, Herm, you know, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you, right? And so the dude left. And then he came back and Herm was, I mean, he 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 left, went to his room, and then he came back downstairs thinking Herm was still sitting in the lobby. He's like, well, you made your decision yet? And so he was <laughs> like, with that tenacity uh, that, uh, of, Herm, of Herm Edwards, he decided to go. So he ended up over at Arizona State. But look, back to the Oregon, uh, or, back to the Oregon-Stanford game against, uh, head coach David Shaw. I never forget that name again. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I, I'm interested to see what Oregon is going to do when it comes to playing for this new coach. I know that they're ranked number 20th, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, now. sir. 20th, yeah. And uh, with and like you said earlier, we mentioned uh, Justin Aber, and we were doing our research before the podcast started that he has to be some descendant of uh, Bobby Aber, New Orleans Saints, uh, Bobby Aber. <sighs> They're really high on this kid. They say that he's really good. And any, you know, Oregon, even you know, even after the Chip Kelly years and with Willie Taggart, they've always put a, a formidable team on the field. Yeah, man. And not to mention, first of all, side note, bro. I don't care what y'all say on Oregon. They got the cleanest uniforms out there in the college football game, man. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Side note. <laughs> because look, because it's field night, and because they are sponsored by Nike, you cut me off, they, man. <laughs> when do they, hey, look, when do they come out with the Colin Kaepernick edition? Oh, you know what, bro? <laughs> oh man, we going we going back to day our day. And to all of our listeners, man, when we first started on our on our old station down there in Houston, Texas, man, we used to have a little. We used to have story times and. How petty we can get, bro. And we go, we going back to our roots right now, bro. <laughs> what if, like, if somehow they can incorporate like the black, red, and green, you know, African <laughs> Black History Month type of Kwanzaa type of element in it, bro? Oh man! Oh, oh. Just, just put on the helmet. Just have the duck holding up his right hand, his fist in the air <laughs> for Black Power with an Afro pick with the fist on the backside, bro. Or oh, wait, maybe they could just instead of just like come out with all black uniforms and on the back all of them instead of having their names just say Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, bro, like Oregon always got the cleanest uniforms. I forgot they said like they have over three hundred different type of jersey combinations that they can throw out. Um, so it's always a mystery trying to see what Oregon like. I like to watch Oregon just see what they're gonna put on the field, man. And I think they revolutionized the whole jerseys and you know changing up every week with the whole college football game within the last five to seven years, man. They always put out something banging. Man. You know, an old coach used to tell me, man, you look good, you, you look good, you play good, you feel good, man. So they definitely got the boys out there swagged out, and their swag is always on a million. But hey, man, Justin Aber is he's rocking it, man. He's got uh. 840 yards already throwing the ball with 12 touchdowns. Uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see. But Bryce Lovers, Mr. Excitement as well, man. That guy can out like really just get out there and just ball out. So um, they're expecting him to play this week. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think I got Stanford. But hey, man, this is the crazy thing about this year, man. So the national championship game is actually in the Bay Area. Uh, shout out to uh, my folks out there in San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, the Bay Area. Um, but it's going to be out there. If Stanford somehow wins out and is able to sit there and play at Levi Stadium, which is not too far from Stanford, um, over there in Santa Clara, man, that's going to be an interesting thing, man. But I don't know if they'll be able to win out because, they, you know, the Pac-12 is one of the most slept-on uh, 
conferences in the nation, you know. Uh, it's not as thick as it has been as far as the past, last couple of years with the disappointment of Oregon. Um, side note, one 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 on one, like you know, what is going on with Chip Kelly, bro? Like, it, it, was it was it Oregon or is it like he just ain't made it since? Like, because everywhere he stopped since Oregon, he ain't panned out well. He didn't even panned out well at ESPN, dog. I think that the game has passed Chip Kelly by. I think that it's it, it now. Chip Kelly should just ride himself off into the wind instead of he shouldn't have never came back in the coaching. You look at it like this. You know, you got two coaches out in California right now that should have just stayed at their current jobs. You're Chip Kelly and then the NFL, John Gruden. Like the game has passed them by. You should have known that when you went, when you came from Oregon and you went to Philadelphia, you totally destroyed that entire franchise. The players hated playing for you. The, sure the players hated being around you. And mm-hmm. then you left. And then after he, what did he, he after he left there? He went to San Francisco. He went to San Francisco. He totally destroyed that franchise. And so I don't understand how he was able to even get a job at UCLA and what they were thinking. And it's not like UCLA doesn't have the talent. It's just Chip Kelly. I think that he thinks like oh, he had a great run at Oregon, and I will and I will always give you props for that. But you're at a point now where either one, uh, like one, the game has passed you by. And now you're living off the fact that you're Chip Kelly. You still have the arrogant mindset that, well, I'm Chip Kelly, and this is what's going to work. Right. Uh, and, uh, what, you got another. Now, now you have a LeVar Ball situation on the football field where the dad. The of, dad, I was going to bring that up. The dad of the college quarterback was out here by making threats to Chip Kelly. So uh, yeah. I will say this. Chip Kelly better be lucky P. Diddy's uh, son ain't on that team because he'd be out here throwing weights at uh, yeah, Chip Kelly right now. P. Diddy's son was still on that team. So Take that, take that, take that. <laughs> so, Chip Kelly, you might want to count your blessings that it's only a coach threatening, uh, it's a parent threatening you. And, hey, uh, look, <laughs> hey, Chip Kelly be able to walk, get ready to walk into his office and all he hears is, bad boy, yeah. <laughs> come out to play. So, yeah, man, it'll be interesting, man, but, uh, but yeah, I think I got Stanford in there, man, because their guys, they, their team is just so disciplined. They're fine tuned at every position, man, and they just play good team ball. So you know, I, I think Stanford wins in a, in a barn burner. These two teams always play really, really good uh, down to the wire games the past couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, man. But uh, moving on to another game that we're going to talk about, man, is uh, we we kind of touched out to the SEC and we'll go back out to them. It's Georgia against Missouri, man. Uh, Georgia is very, very good. The quarterback, they got, you know, they have a uh, somewhat of a quarterback issue too uh, with this new cat, the freshman. Uh, I can't think of his name. And then you also have Jacob Fromm, uh, who led the team to the national championship game last year, who is able to just precisely just, you know, he just he just dissects defenses left and right. But uh, it would be definitely interesting to see what Georgia does today and how bad they beat Missouri, man. But what's your take on Georgia, bro? Oh, bro, like Georgia's the only the only team that's going to give Alabama any type of competition this year. So uh, they'll, they'll have it, – it'll be a breeze-through game. Man. They'll yeah. walk through. They won't I, – I, I don't see uh, – they play – you said Missouri, correct? Yeah, they play Missouri. Yeah, I don't see Missouri stopping. Although Missouri always has uh, – A, a one game that – they always have one game that kind of – they'd be like, dang, Missouri won that. So. Yeah, you know, it's like, wait a minute. They gave – Missouri actually gave some competition. But between yeah. that defense that – See, it's, it, a lot of people thought that because they lost, what, four to five players to the NFL mm-hmm. last year, Georgia, that their defense wasn't going to come back strong. And all they did is, like, they just reloaded. Yeah. And uh, the quarterback I was thinking of, the freshman quarterback from Kennesaw, Georgia, Mr. Justin Fields, 
uh, I think was the number one rated overall quarterback coming into the college football uh, this year as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see when they want to implement him. But he's going to be nice. But uh, another team that you like to tap on into is uh, Clemson, man. Uh, they play Georgia Tech, man. Uh, there's been grumblings over there with the Georgia Tech coach, you know, still running that option formation, bro. Can we can't like that op that wing T option that the that the Georgia Tech uh, Yellow Jackets play, man? Can can they just stop, man? I can't think of the coach's name right now, but I feel like that's the reason why Calvin Johnson's game was hindered down there is because they run that wing T option court op- quarterback option, bro. Like that game, like, this ain't 1962, bro. Like they got to cut that out, man. What's going on with them over there with, uh, as they take on Clemson, bro? Uh, so Georgia Tech, man, it's I, I don't know, man. They haven't been so. Look, we were talking about teams, you know, when we talk about Notre Dame, they haven't been good since since this, that, and the other. I mean, the last time Georgia Tech was good was when they had Megatron, Calvin Johnson, maybe. Yeah, Paul and Johnson that, just needs to get it together, bro. Like he needs to get away from that uh, wing T option game, bro. Ah, uh, yes. Exactly, but I mean, it's it's still one of the hardest formations to stop, too, though, Eric. You have to look at it like Army still runs it as well. Um, they sure do, yeah. Well, Army runs it because they don't have no choice but to run it, though. Like, a lot of, like, you got to think about it. The Army, like, a lot of reasons why these military academy football teams, maybe besides Air Force, um, I think Navy still runs it as well, too, is because, you know, they don't have the athleticism to be able to out outgun these teams because you got to think about the offensive line. They got to stay within AR six, uh, whatever the height and weight regulation is, so they can't sit there and be on, you know, on the overweight program and have these big old dudes at, you know, six two weighing over three hundred pounds because they have to still maintain within the army regulations of the weight rate, uh, weight regulations. So that I think that's the reason why they have to run the wing T option games because that's the only way they can even try to have an attempt on keeping up with these D one double A teams. Where they can have, you know, willy nilly any type of body style they want on these teams. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna <coughs> say. I got it wrong earlier. I didn't mean to say army, I meant to say navy. Navy still runs it, and so um it's it's going to be interesting. You're right, Erica. You, you look at it, um, they still have to stay within uh what is it? Is it dang I can't think, is it A R F M. Anyway, it's FM. But you know, yeah, so uh, you're we right. Out. <laughs> <laughs> we out. We out. When it comes to uh, <clears throat> Georgia Tech though, they you know, they, they won't be successful until they get some athletes in there and get away from that formation. But when they even had athletes, though, BB, they still ain't been, you know, the real deal Holyfield. So, like you said, since Megatron was there, you know, Megatron was basically just for hype. Uh, and, and he didn't get the ball to rock on to him all like that. So, it'll be interesting. But one thing about Clemson, man, Dabo Sweeney has... Bro, like, Gabo Sweeney is probably one of the most underrated recruiters in the nation, dude. Like, if you think about it, since, like, since he, since Clemson, they came back, you got to think about Todd Boyd. You know, he, he sat there and brought him back to reverency. Todd Boyd leaves, and I think goes to the NFL or wherever he is at now. He leaves, the, he leaves the university. You bring in Deshaun Watson, brings it to a national championship game. Now they sit there reload, and they bring this young Thundercat named Kelly Bryant at the quarterback position, and they ain't missed a beat, bro. It's like... His recruiting class and his recruiting swag is so slept on that the nation never wants to talk about how much of a great recruit Dabble Sweeney is, man. Yeah, Dabble is a great recruiter, man. And you look at and uh, even, the, you know, the guys down here for the Texans that, that went to Clemson talk very, very highly of Dabble Sweeney and everything he's done at that at the um, at the University of Clemson. So or Clemson University, excuse me. Um, so I don't think you're right. I don't think that he gets 
the credit that he deserves. Even when he beat, even when they beat Alabama in the national championship game, it almost felt like he still, like, he just beat the best team in college football and he didn't mm-hmm. get his credit. Mm-hmm. So, but Dabo Sweeney, I don't know if he's going into these living rooms and just sitting down having Bible study with these parents <laughs> or if he's walking in and bringing, you know, like, if, 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 if he's coming in with, with one, you know, with a choir, Dabo right. has come to Clemson. Dabo, I don't know what he's doing, bro, but whatever he's doing, it's working. Bro, I, I just think, I, I, Dabo Sweetness is like one of the most, I, you could just feel his energy just like even me being here in Las Vegas, Nevada. When I watch this dude on TV, like you could just feel the, 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 uh, the realness of him. Like he's just the overall, just, he don't sit there and put on no type of front. Like that joke is in prize on TV. Like he shows his emotion. And I think if, if I had a child and if, if Dabo Sweetie's at my door and he's sitting there at my ta- dinner table telling me, telling my son to play at the college, University of Clemson, man, there's no way I tell him no because I know that he's going to have the best interest of my child, man. So yeah. I think Dabo Sweeney overall is just one of the better guys in college football. I really, really like him, man. I always root for him, man, just because he just seems like he's just a, a, a just a great coach. You know, the fact that, you know, he had his mama as his college roommate at the University of Alabama because they didn't have no money. I mean, his story is just, you know, it, it's just amazing. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely think Clemson is another team that a lot of people uh, – have been sleeping on, but another uh, we're gonna touch we're gonna touch two more games, man, and then we're gonna uh, wrap this up. Uh, we're gonna talk about Nebraska and Michigan, the two teams of the unknowns, man. Uh, Nebraska kind of made national headlines with the new coach Scott Frost uh, coming out saying that uh, you know uh, we're gonna be losing a lot more before we start winning, and then you got Michigan, who's supposed to be the end all be all with their savior Jim Harbaugh coming over there, and they haven't looked good at all this year. So, uh, what's your take on this, man? Because Michigan is a, a, has been a team that's always been ranked really, really high since Jim Harbaugh's came back to the University of Michigan, and they've just fallen off flat. Like, I think he hasn't even beat Michigan State, uh, Notre Dame, or Ohio State. So I don't know if he's on the hot seat yet. Uh, word on the street is that he isn't, but also, if he doesn't get it together this year, then, you know, there might be uh, some heads rolling off this year. Which which take on that, man? I, I look at it like <laughs> this. Uh, looking at it... Uh, <clears throat> So, Jim and Jim is is just uh, is as much on the hot seat as brother John is in the NFL. Those Harbaugh brothers are on the hot seat, and yeah, you know, now that he finally has a quarterback at, at the University of Michigan, if he doesn't produce within between this year next year, it's time to start looking. You know, looking ahead to to maybe bringing in a replacement coach because he's not going. It doesn't seem like he's getting the best out of his plate. No, nope. by not getting the best and getting that full potential, even though you know because he's been given a pass a lot for uh, not having a quarterback. So now you have a quarterback and a great offensive, uh, excuse me, great offensive system. I mean, you scored what ninety four points in the last two weeks, but mm-hmm. then again, you go back and you look at the first half of the SMU game and you were tied seven seven. Right. So. You know, what is it now? Is is your philosophy not getting through to these kids? Is has the past by is it time to take off the the brown doc the brown doctors not doctors uh Levi's or uh uh, uh, uh what do they call them? Uh Dickies. Yeah, it's time to take off the brown Dickies, man, and maybe go and get you some banana republic. You know, some uh <laughs> pleatless fronts or something like that. Since they're just not listening to you. And on the other side of the ball, when it comes to uh uh Nebraska and Scott Frost. Uh, I made I, I asked this uh, question on yesterday on the show, 
And I said, why is it that when a new coach comes in to a system, when it's his first year, people look at it as if he wins, it's great. But if it loses, oh, well, he's still trying to get himself together. But if he has a signature win, then you're all for it. And like the program is going forward. It's almost like he's in a win-win situation, whether he wins or he loses, especially when you have a, 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 a lineman, one of his one of his players coming out saying everybody has been bought into the system and some of us have and some of us hasn't. So you just got to give it time and trust the process. Yeah, man, it's very interesting, man. And not, not to mention, you know, we kind of banged on Notre Dame, but what is what is Nebraska been good since what Eric Crouch? Uh, one, I think I can't think of it. Nebraska being relevant since Eric Crouch was a quarterback. For when them, was so. the last time they had the black shirts, or the last time they had rest in rest in peace? Uh, what was the the, the uh, running back's name who passed away in prison? Lawrence Phillips. Oh yeah, yeah, Lawrence Phillips. That was his name. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, it's been a minute. Yes. Eric, Eric Crouch was what he ended up becoming a safety in the NFL, a cornerback or something like that. I forgot what he was, but they, as soon as he got to the league, they they converted him. But I think he was like one of the the first players that kind of went from coming into the, coming out of college as a corner quarterback and transition into a different uh, position. But, you know, one thing about uh, Nebraska is that, you know, they're in this, the state of Nebraska and it's just not that much recruiting going on. There's not that many thoroughbreds right there in the state of Nebraska. So it's really, really hard for them to recruit. And when, when, when you're around there, you're right around Texas, you're around Oklahoma, uh, you're around a lot of these other colleges that have a lot more to offer. And I just think that it's just not a glamorous college anymore like it was in the 60s, 70s, and even up to the 80s. Um, it's just not, I think they've just gone on about their glory and it's just, they're kind of an afterthought. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But man, how is John, uh, John Groot, or not, oh Lord, Jim Harbaugh, uh, been more of a defensive minded coach and this joker was in a playing quarterback. It's really weird that he can't tap into the offense, but somehow he gets his defense rock solid, man. And it was almost even like that in San Francisco um, when he first came along is that his defense was really, really good. But his offense was more like a game manager, even when he had Alex Smith there. And if it wasn't for Colin Kaepernick kind of coming in and translating the offense, um, who would have known what ended up happening? But it seems like Jim Harbaugh has been more of a defensive-minded coach. And he can't get it together on the offensive side. It's just really weird how it's just backwards with him. Oh, yeah. I I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, like I always say, that vexes me or perplexes me, the fact that um, in that situation when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, I don't know. But here's the thing, though, too, Eric. If Michigan fires Jim Harbaugh, he'll have a job within the next three hours. You think so, man? Because I don't know where he could go. Uh, I would have to sit down and think about it. But there would be some. Just his name alone would get him a job somewhere. True, we, it, true. That means that maybe next week we'll have to come back after week four. And, yeah. and find out what college coaches are on the hot seat, and then maybe we'll look at it like that. Yeah, we could definitely do that, man. Because uh, there's definitely a couple of coaches right now on the hot seat. So, one last game that we're going to touch up on is going to be the uh, Texas Longhorns against the TCU, uh, number 17 TCU uh, Horned Frogs, man. Uh, TCU, man, I think they're a really, really good team. Uh, they kind of slept up uh, against Auburn, I believe is who they lost last week. But uh, Texas is another... Uh, uh, what's the coach's name over there? Uh, Herman. Tom Herman. Tom, yes. Tom Herman. Tom Herman over there, man, like he's underachieved so much. And I'm going to say this. They only gave Charlie Strong three years. So this is year number two for uh, Tom Herman. 
So yes. uh, I'm going to say this, man. Texas, you guys got You guys didn't give Charlie Strong a fair shake. You guys wanted up out of there so fast. I expect the same thing to happen if Tech, if the University of Texas does not get it together uh, within this year and next year, um, even possibly this year, because you guys were so big and bad of trying to get Todd Herman over here from, where did he come from, University of Houston or University, University of Houston. Yeah, he came from University of Houston. You guys were so big into he was this touted guy, and he has not performed well at all. He lost uh, to, to Maryland twice um, in his first two years. Um, he has not performed at all, so... What's going on over there, man? Because you're right there in Houston, so you can tell me what's what's popping with them over there, man. Popping with uh, with the University of Texas. Yeah. So it's funny. I'm not a real big Tom Herman fan, but I am a fan of the University of Texas. But I will say this: Tom Herman has a recruiting class getting ready to come in here that's going to be very strong. He's already solidified the defensive side of the ball, and now he has two back-to-back quarterback that's coming in. I think Hudson Card comes in one year, and then Rashawn Johnson comes in the next year. So he has two good good uh, quarterbacks coming in in 2019 and 2020. The problem with the University of Texas right now is that because you still have Tom Herman learning the University of Texas athletic uh, football program, and because you have them still trying to learn Tom Herman, they don't have the quarterback to be able to do what he wants to do. Everywhere mm-hmm. he's went, he's always had a good quarterback. When he was uh, an assistant coach up at Ohio State, they had three good quarterbacks. I mean, Cordell Jones came in as a third string. Mm-hmm. National, National championship. championship, yep. Then when he got here to Houston, they already had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh uh, Greg, I can't think of his last name, but they had a quarterback here that was already established to be able to run his the offense that he wants to run. At mm-hmm. the University of Texas, you have two quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks. They were good five-star recruits, but I don't know if they're good for the system that Tom Herman wants to run. Yeah, man, it'll be definitely interesting to see what ends up happening with them. Uh, I... I, you know, looking back at it, I don't know if Mac Mac Brown got fired, if I'm mistaken. But I wonder if they're sitting there looking because what's that uh, the number that the, the booster guy? Uh, his name is Red something. The, the Red guy, McComb he used to be yeah. the owner of the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, so he's a big booster down there at University of Texas. I wonder if he's sitting there looking back like, dang, maybe we should have kept Mac Brown around because they ain't been really relevant since Mac Brown's been around with Pope McCoy and Vince Young. So uh, I, I don't know what they got going on. Uh, I think when University of Texas is, is up there, you know, in the, in the top 10, top five teams, man, it's good for the game of college football overall. But uh, the TCU Horned Frogs, man, I think they're a really, really good team. Like I said, they slept off, you know, they slipped up Auburn, um, I think, last week or the week before. But uh, they're another good team that I think um, if it comes down to, because I think if I'm not mistaken, even though the Big, Tw- Big 10 or Big, I'm sorry, the Big 12 has 10 teams this year, they're finally going to get the conference, their first ever conference game back now that uh, ever since Nebraska and Missouri ended up leaving the conference, uh, they're gonna. This is the first year they're gonna have a conference, uh, a conference game, uh, conference championship game. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if the TCU for Horn Frogs can actually get out and uh, go against Oklahoma this year, man. So I think I think they're probably the second best team in the Big Twelve. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how they go. But I definitely got TCU in that game, man. The thing, the thing with Texas. <laughs> The thing with Texas playing against TCU is that TCU has so much team speed mm-hmm. that that's going to give that's going to give the University of Texas a problem, and they just lost one of their key 
uh, defensive players. I think they lost a, a linebacker for at least six weeks, so mm-hmm. pretty much the season um, due to an injury, and he was one of their best linebackers. So it's going to be interesting to see what defensive scheme they come up with to be able to slow down Texas. Those guys are fast, man. It's like you could be standing there next to him. It's like almost standing next to Marquise Good. When I say when you stand next to him, your shirt is just moving and he's still standing. That's how fast he is. <laughs> like, why is my shirt moving like this? Like the wind is blowing, but oh, I'm standing next to Marquise. And that's the same thing it is with TCU. They have a track team, bro. Gotcha. So, yeah, man, there you have it, man. We listen to a couple of games. Uh, I definitely want to touch up on this game real quick, BB. I know it's uh it's moving along, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting how this dude uh, still has a job um, after all the scandal that took place, and that would be Urban Meyer and Ohio State this week, man. Um, it's actually their first game. Uh, it's actually Urban Meyer's first game coming back uh, from his three three game suspension that he took place um, with uh, the whole misconduct, man. And they're actually playing against a two lane team. But uh, what's your take on that, man? Because you and I did we didn't really talk about it. Um, about Ohio State uh, and the suspension, do you think he should have a job? Because I personally say no. I think that I'm not going to say that he shouldn't have a job. I just think that he should have been suspended for more time. I think that three games uh, wasn't good. And I mean, and out of those three opponents that they played the first two weeks, TCU was the only formidable opponent that they had. So I think that he should have went, at least they should have either suspended him for the first six games or suspended him during Big Ten play, but you know, no. Um, I said this yesterday on the show, man. You, 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 you know that the university, I mean, Ohio State University, their administration wasn't going to do that. They put such a spin cycle on this whole thing. I'm thinking that President 45 and his administration is trying to hire them because they know how to spin stuff so well. Yeah. And so, uh, Urban Meyer, his the issue that I have with Urban Meyer right now is just shut up. Mute yeah. yourself, bro. There's no reason why we should have seen you on ESPN. There's no reason why we should have seen you doing an interview. There's no reason why we should even hear from you. Keep bringing it up. You, 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 it was brought up. You served your time. You, you, you were punished. You were disciplined. You served your time. Just move on. This is not going to turn out well for each, neither you nor your athletes if you keep bringing this up for attention purposes. Yeah, man. Even if he did go on ESPN, um, and I'm going to touch on it a little bit better. He could have had the Mark Cuban approach on it as far as just being really remorseful, um, just faking the fault. But it almost seemed like he was just trying to say, like, hey, man, I did what I needed to do. But here's the thing about it, bro. Like, a lot of people seem to forget that when he was down there in Florida, he had he recruited Aaron Hernandez. And Aaron Hernandez already low-key had a rap sheet over there in Massachusetts. He got the Pouncy Twins, who I have no respect for neither one of them dudes, uh, if some of y'all don't know about the uh, Marquise and Marcus uh, Pouncey boys, y'all might want to look them up um, out here talking about free Aaron Hernandez. Uh, like, he's just had nothing but goon squad dudes, and he just values winning over anything else, and he doesn't care. So I, I definitely think personally, not to mention that same quarterback coach was a quarterback coach in, in the University of Florida where this was taking place already, and it was an incident. It was already reported then. He brings him over to the University of Ohio State at the same at the same time. So I, I don't know if I can say that he should have gotten, you know, six games or when conference play opened up. I don't think he should have had a job just for the fact that you knew this was going on in the University of Florida and yet you still bring him with you when you come to the great Ohio State University, man. So, uh, you know, my thing is if Jim Trussell could have got fired for getting Tyrod uh, 
Tyrod Pryor, uh, Tyrod Pryor, some uh, some uh, tattoos that year, uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, and he got fired over that. Then I don't understand how you could sit there and and Maurice Claret over there for for that matter. You could sit there and you let this dude keep his job. So um, it'll be interesting to see interesting to see how they pan out. But to me, it showed that as long as the university is winning, they don't care what else goes on, and that's that's the message I got from. It's always, bro. That's that's the underlying that's the underlying message when it comes to sports. As long as you're winning, we can look past a lot of things. <coughs> and, look, winning winning covers up everything. Winning is the is the band-aid that you can put on a gunshot. Oh, all the time, man. As long as you win and don't nobody care about anything, man. But uh when you start losing, that's when they start looking around all those holes and the cheese, bro. But uh yep. wrapping it up, man. We're gonna do what we do best, man. We're gonna it's time for that big dummy award, man. A lot of things took place this week, BB. Who you got for your big dummy of the war, bro? Uh, oh, so are we doing it just for college football, or are we just doing it in Overall, general? it's just in general. Well, I want to go ahead and step out on a limb, and I'm going to say the, my big dummy award goes to the possibility, and I'm just going to say this, the possibility of Colin Kaepernick coming back to the NFL. He, it, it, there's no possible way that you can do this, Colin. So you and your agent probably needs to put out a statement and say we're not even considering coming to either the Raiders or to the Patriots. Uh, somebody needs to tell Colin that it's a setup, and they're going to bring you in just long enough to get the collusion lawsuit taken taken care of. And then they're going to cut you, and without any repercussions, say, "Look, hey, we did what we we're supposed to do." And so Colin can't. Colin, you cannot come back to the NFL, man, because you're going to let so many people down. You're going to make yourself look like a hypocrite. You started a movement. Let's just keep this movement. Let's keep this movement going. It's now it's in, in our water. It's kind of become bigger than you, Colin, but you are the head of it. And so it would it would uh, uh, negate everything positive that has come forward to what you have done. It, it will negate every positive uh, positive light that you've shed on the negative situation. If you go back to the NFL, that means that everything that you've ever done will be looked at as hypocrisy and as uh, a self something that was only selfish and self fulfilling for yourself. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely think I, I'm not gonna go on a limb and say he's the big dummy. But if he does get, if he does sign with the team, yeah, I will say he's the big dummy. Man, I got a Colin Kaepernick jersey and I bought it for the movement. I, I, I made. I would probably give that away or throw it away, bro. Like, because everything you would have done at this time and everything that I fight for is because you inspired me to speak up and get off the sidelines and get in and get actually moving with what you believed in. And like you said, I would feel some type of way and I would actually be, you know, ashamed and feel feel some type of way that you did, you would side with it because like you said, BB, it would look like this is some hush-hush money. Like at this, at, at this time, this is his lawyer speaking, so I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. And this, this is the same lawyer that last year said that he was gonna get picked up by a team by week one, and that never happened as well. So um, I don't know what the end all be all is, but if I was Colin Kaepernick, I'd probably be telling his lawyer to shut up right now. And we don't want, and we don't want to uh, get signed by a team, or we don't want to work out. Like I think Colin Kaepernick's calling is so much higher than football now that um, <clears throat> one. I don't know if he's even willing, like, if he's even able to, like, play football at a high level. And two, 
Like, why do you want to go back, bro? Like, you're doing so much. You're getting paid by Nike. You're going around and doing so much for the, the, the betterment of mankind, bro. Like, I think football just needs to be an afterthought for you. You just keep doing what you're doing, man. But uh, at the end of the day, I still support you because you have not signed for a team. But my big dummy, the war, man, and I'm going to go out on the limb is I'm going to call out the National Basketball Association, bro. Um, some of y'all may not know, but uh, earlier this past season, the Dallas Mavericks were investigated for uh, some sexual misconduct going on by uh, uh, a highly ranked official on the business side. Uh, Mark Cuban swore up and down that he was only taking care of the basketball side of operations, not the business side of the operations. And he basically was not, they found him of no findings of being responsible for this issue. And he only just basically threw $10 million away for women's rights and things like that. Um, the NBA today is my big gun of the war. This is the probably by far the most far more progressive league out of the four major sports out there. They do so much as far as equality, bringing up social awareness, um, just all types of different things that they do in the league. The fact that you got to basically force Donald Sterling out of the Clippers and make him sell his team, and now you're not doing the same thing for uh, and some of these reports as far as the sexual misconduct place that was taken on over there at the workplace is pretty bad, bro. And the fact that you can sit there and say that you didn't know this guy was practically almost your right-hand man and you're sitting there swearing up and down that you didn't know, there's just, there's just no way I'm buying it, bro. Um, he shouldn't have been suspended for either the whole season or half the season or even possibly uh, been, been forced to sell the team. But it kind of it's kind of going back to what we said at Ohio State, man. Mark Cuban has kind of transitioned the whole ownership of the NBA and how it's more of a rah-rah type of thing and how they take care of the players. And he's such a asset to the to the National Basketball Association. It's kind of like, hey man, you know, we're gonna let this one slide because you brought so much revenue to the league. And I mean, you gotta think about it as well. Mark Cuban is a billionaire, so what's ten million to him? What ten dollars? So uh, I would say the NBA and Mark Cuban, you are my big dummy. Well, I, I gotta say this. Um, I like uh, uh, I like the way you articulated that. That was that was, you know, I like it. It was really good. My question is this: Well, one, you know, we know Mark Cuban is a is a, a very smart guy, and he keeps his finger on the pulse of the entire Dallas Mavericks organization. I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface it by saying that. But two, Eric, can we also look at it like this? When you got a post commander. You know, the post commander don't know everything that's going on in the companies. You know what I mean? And so if something is happening down at the company level and until it works its way up to him, he has no clue on what's going on in these different companies. And he can only go by the company commanders reporting to him. You know, the company commanders, the tight commanders, whatever the case may be. But definitely when the company commanders come to him and they let him know that there's an issue going on, can he handle it? Can we look at it in a way like that as well as Mark Cuban being the post commander and everything that was going up, uh, going on under him was at a company level? I mean, it's possible, but as far as uh, it's my understanding, the dude that was actually doing all this uh, shady stuff is, if you want to break it down military-wise, is uh, probably up there as like uh, compared to like a brigade commander. Like he was a, a scout. A highly titled scout. Um, he ran like some type of VP of the business operations of the Dallas Mavericks. So it wasn't like the towel boy or somebody like that doing something, you know, ludicrous like it was uh, stated. But, you know, it definitely wasn't the, you know, you know, Coach Rick Carlisle doing some things as well. So I, I, on the flip side, I see where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, man, you know, 
you got to take the ball and it's your team and it is your responsibility at the end of the day like you said you know the head got somebody got it somebody's head's got to roll in if it ain't if that's not making a statement i don't know what is yeah so with that being said man we hope you enjoyed our college football preview game man we're gonna tune uh tune in tomorrow morning we're definitely gonna do our nfl uh pre-game show and then also i think around the end of the month man we definitely got to touch some baseball because posting's about to start and uh, a lot of people been asking me you know i definitely talk a lot of baseball but i haven't been able to show that uh that skill yet so bb you're out there with the houston astros all the time so i know oh. what postseason go ahead yeah shout out to the houston astros i was there covering the game last night as they defeated the uh los angeles angels 11 to 3 and they look good doing it uh and i was also part of history because uh you know um infielder yuli curiel hit a grand slam and then he had a two-run shot last night right yeah, and you know his brother who plays for his brother Lunis Gurriel Jr. Plays, plays for Toronto, right? Yeah, he, he hit multiple home runs last night as well. So first time in history, two brothers have hit multiple home runs on the same day. There you have it, man. Uh, you know we out here. You know we do. We don't just talk football, basketball, y'all. About to see another different side of what we can do in about two weeks or so. But definitely tune in tomorrow morning. We're definitely gonna uh, talk about some football. We got a lot of bangers coming up tomorrow morning, but. Uh, Last but not least, BB, tell them where they can find you at again, bro. Uh, you can find me at Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at uh, Brian Bearfield on Facebook. And you can always uh, log in to www.kylkradio.org and listen to Sports Talk with Big Sarge, 3 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday. And once again, my name is Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business. You can find me on Money Compton on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook at Eric Compton. You can also email me, uh, email the show, I should say, at sportsbusiness at gmail.com. That's S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. You can also find me every Thursday, 3.30 Central Time at the legendary KYOK. I serve as a co-host and I do my weekly segment called Town Business over there with Mr. BB himself. So there you have it, man. We hope you all enjoy your games and we are out. Love and peace, y'all. All right now. I'm out.